Well, Alfonso, it's, uh, it's great to have you on the show here. Glad um, to be here. Welcome everyone to the Casually Profound series on the Size Eye podcast. Here with my guest, conversation partner Alfonso Meadows in uh, the gathering spot yeah. in beautiful Midtown Atlanta. Um, so appreciate you taking the time out of your day to have a casually profound conversation. Absolutely. I think I've been thinking just about that title for the last couple of weeks. I, I love it. It's just casually profound. So I'm, I'm here for it. It's an honor to be here and to speak with you and share. So thanks for having me. For sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I'd love to start off with uh, anything that you're grateful for. Man. Um, so I've been recently I've been trying to keep a, a gratitude journal because I've, I've heard kind of how that can kind of help set your day, center your day. Um, and so of all days, I didn't do it today. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I can always think of things that I'm grateful for. I think um, in this moment, um, I'm really grateful for having the activity of my limbs and eyesight and ability to actually bring myself to this place. And I say that that comes off the back of taking my mom to the doctor this morning. She's in good health now, but you know, just sometimes I think we take that for granted, like just the everyday, like if you didn't have a thumb, like, do you know how much more difficult things would be? Right. And so yeah. I think just uh, being with her this morning, it makes me really grateful for just like the activity of my limbs and just my the, the beat of my heart. You know what I mean? Like the ability to actually be able to see, to bathe myself, to care for myself. Like, I mean, that's more than one. But I think uh, if anything, I think I'm just grateful for that today in this moment. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's yeah, that's definitely one of the things that I think most people take for granted, me included. Yeah. Um, and well, we always see everyone who's out, outside of having the, those things that we can be grateful for as yeah. not normal. Yeah. Um, and so it's I think it's definitely it's always good to remind ourselves of those, those basic yeah. um, aspects of being human. But for some people, it's not. It's not. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah for me. I, I think I'm grateful for, uh, knock on wood, having a functional car. Mm. Um, that, that's, Any wood around here? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, knock on, wood, knock on wood here. Yeah, I think that <laughs> looks like wood. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, you know, like being able to drive from Charlotte to Atlanta. Yeah. To to do this and not have to think about oh we're like taking a Greyhound or Megabus. Yeah. Coming down here or take the train or yeah. Just being able to be flexible. Oh, I'll meet you out with coffee. You know, with these other people or I'll meet some people on the way here. Absolutely. Whatever it is. Um. Or even within the city, not even like intracity. Yeah. Um. Or intracity, but intracity. It's. Yeah. You know, let's let's meet up with this going to events. Yeah. Um. Like just being grateful for having that level of movement and mobility mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whether on human level mm -hmm. individual level or on a you know me with a vehicle yeah. level yeah um we take that for granted sometimes too don't we yeah we're so used to them but i think yeah. i think so and, yeah. and people who don't have public or don't have access to public transit or don't have a vehicle it's like yeah. okay um you know life becomes that much tougher right yeah. so definitely grateful for having um a, a reliable car so far Absolutely. so that's that's the yeah. Hopefully I can stay that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as of today, right? Yes, in this as, moment, you know, it's, it's what you have. Yeah, exactly. Likewise. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I would love to do a quick visualization exercise. Awesome. On just having an amazing conversation. Okay. So whenever we're ready, we can center ourselves and yes. get comfortable okay. and close our eyes. become centered 
and fully present in the current moment. Taking a few deep breaths. In and out. Relaxing everything from the top of our head to our neck, shoulders, torso, hips, knees, feet and toes. Feeling, feeling fully relaxed. And from this space, let's imagine having an amazing conversation with game-changing ideas thrown around, deep insights formed, and a level of understanding of ourselves and each other that wasn't there before a truly creative experience. And soak in this moment for a quick second. And when we're ready, we can come back to the present moment slowly open our eyes and come back to the gathering spot. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so just like like calming down and yeah. being present and centered. Yeah. Yeah. So first question I want to ask Alfonso is, who do others think Alfonso Meadows is? Mm. I would say others think that Alfonso Meadows is passionate. Um, he is a creative, he's a father, um, speaker. Um, I would say they think that he is hopefully engaging. Um, also complicated, hmm. complicated and, um, that's it yeah 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 <laughs> um what makes you say complicated uh, well because i am um I, I definitely think we all have layers you know um but for me and within me there's definitely um i'm very multifaceted in terms of just kind of like how i show up every day and um, some of the things that I do on a daily basis, like my sister, they'll say like, well, the running joke with my family, my mom, dad, and my sisters, they'll be like, what is Alfonso doing now? Like, you know, like he's, he's, what, is he, what else has he added to the plate? And I think that's because of, um, I think just in terms of how I approach life, how I think, um, just the various tasks that I, you know, organize and, and manage throughout the day, I think, and just how I present myself in terms of personality, I think some people may consider that a bit complicated sometimes. Um, I don't want to say hard to understand, but 
it's it's like I said, it's a lot of a lot of. If I could uh, do a visual, I think of like a lot of not only moving parts but a lot of spinning plates. Maybe kind of you know in terms of just all of the the things that I think I am. I, I don't. I've never been like just um like do one thing, think one way, um, behave in one kind of segment. I've always been like multifaceted, like in this, that, and the other. So some people consider that to be complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. It's yeah, yeah. what are those uh, those spinning plates mm. in your life currently, or what have they been in the past? Yeah. Um, a little bit in the past, I mean, I was a, I spent a lot, the first part of my probably adult life uh, in ministry. Um, so like spinning that plate of, of ministry and, and public speaking and giving a lot of my life and time and energy of when I was raising my family to, to ministry and then raising a family. I was in corporate America as a project program project manager, then managing project managers for 15 years. And then I was, I'm a singer. So I was doing like, you know, writing and recording um, and singing with groups and that kind of thing and uh, had my own group and, and all, all at the same time. So I think um, that was a bit in the past. Now it's kind of similar in terms of just my entrepreneurial side. I have two businesses that I'm running. Also, I'm helping to manage a restaurant. Um, I have a merchandise line. We do have a payroll company with my uh, my. my co-founder um and then i'm working right now on a i don't know if you're familiar with louise hay yeah, yeah okay so she has um she has this audio that's called 101 power thoughts so i'm doing a spinoff on that right now recording that um to be able just to make available for people that's it's been very helpful to me so i want to extend that and give it to other people so like all of that and then at the same time consistently trying to become better a better me, you know, and that's, that can be a lot, you know, I think <laughs> so, so those are some of the, uh, I'm trying to maintain friendships and family. I have, a, uh, I have an adult son um, as he's transitioning into adulthood and that kind of thing. So those are like some of the plates I just continue to, to, to spin or I try to manage. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to hear, So I love creating, like connecting the dots yeah. um, between two seemingly random things. Okay. Um, and I think that's kind of what creativity is. Yeah. So I'm curious to hear, is there anything in the music singing industry that you were in and that you learned that then applies to another aspect of your life right now? Absolutely. First thing that came to mind was being present. So what I noticed whenever I'm either singing or I play a little bit of piano, um, or if I'm writing, or if I'm in a group setting with like others that are, are, are I'm singing with, et cetera, I am right there. Or if I'm teaching as well, if I'm, te I'm, I'm so there. And I've noticed in, on the musical side of the house or creative and that part of my creativity, whenever I start getting too much or in my head too much or starting to overthink rather, then I tend to lose flow, right? So like maybe the i can't seem to think of the next lyrics or if i'm overthinking when i'm singing then it it's like oh put the vibrato here put the you know crescendo here no no don't do that like you know and when you're doing all of that then it's like oh then i'm not in the moment and then when i hear it and i play it back it's like 
I can tell the difference in terms of how tone and how things are written in the flow of things. If oh, I was like, I was not in the moment there. And so I apply that to like in business as well, um, particularly with managing people, because I think what I've learned from the, the, the musical aspect of myself and being present, it also was important when you're managing people that you're present as well. Because, you know, I've heard time and time again, like, you know, business and personal completely different. It doesn't matter how you feel, just get the job done, et cetera. Bunch of crap, okay? How someone feels matters. And when you're present, you can kind of start to discern and understand kind of exactly through body language, right? Through eye contact, through how they say something to me or don't, or right, um, or what they're not saying. I, I can manage better from that place, right? And not also being so concerned with the bottom line that I forget that, well, like, I, like my podcast that I have called Win the Day, well, I can be so concerned about the bottom line, which you've got to be concerned in business about that as well. But if I'm so concerned about that and I'm not focused on the present, then I have I got to win today. And I can't win the day without being present with whoever I'm managing or whatever, I'm, whatever task I'm doing. So to answer your question, I think from a musical perspective, just kind of like I've learned how important it is, although challenging, <laughs> to have that balance of being present, but also forecasting and that kind of thing. So Yeah, yeah. it's... Yeah, I mean, I've also resonate with the the feelings mm. um, piece of it. I've definitely leaned more into how I feel mm. before taking an action while I'm taking an action. Mm. Mm. Um, and I've it can be frowned upon sometimes to yes. use only, not only, but to lean more into your feelings Absolutely. in a business setting where it's like, hey, where are the numbers? Where's, your, where's the Absolutely. data? Absolutely. And I think you need both. You do. Um, <laughs> you do. Right? And yeah. the numbers may guide the intuition. Absolutely. Um, or vice versa, right? Um, but yeah, I've, I've definitely seen that play out. And I feel like in you can do that on an individual level. Yeah. And it's, I think it's easier to do that on an individual level. Um, the, the tough piece may be, all right, I'm working in a a 5,000 employee company or a right. 100,000 employee company, how do I then leverage my intuition or my the feelings to guide me yeah. in, in what I'm doing, right? If I yeah. need buy-in from other people, if the project impacts all these other stakeholders, right? Yeah. Um, I guess, have you seen that play out in your career or your life? I have. I, I think um, because, again, I've worked for up until the last year of my life, I've been working pretty much for Fortune 500 companies. Um, until I went the entrepreneurial journey full time. But what I've learned in that, even rather it's an organization of 10 or an organization of 10,000, your leadership matters. So if I have an organization of 10,000, then I need to make sure that the leaders that I have are not only thought leaders, but are also leaders that lead by intuition, right? And understand the people aspect of any you know corporation or any task like that's how it trickles down through the organization is like the leadership and i've seen time and time again side how and i've been, i've even been at fault of this um of how the because the leadership sets the tone right so if you, i've been in organizations where i'm like oh man i love it i love working here right not only do i enjoy the task but i just love the environment i love who i'm who I'm reporting to, I love the vibe in here. And every time I get that feeling or that experience rather, I like to use that term better because sometimes feeling 
can have, you know, it can sometimes have a negative connotation, particularly in business. So in a business setting, I use experience more because it's like, you know, it's, I think it's more socially acceptable. But anytime I had that type of experience, I always, I've now recognized that it's been leadership because it's, they believed in conscious leadership. They believed in servant leadership. They believed in, you know, and the numbers were always either exceeding um, most times, but it's typically been leadership and that's how it trickled down. And I've also been in, in roles where I've enjoyed the task, but being coming to the environment or even working from home and having to who I reported to, you know, uh, a lot of the politics that weren't managed well, it was like, I enjoyed the task, but I can't stay here because of that. But again, it started in leadership. So to answer your question, from my experience, the larger the organization, that's, it's, it's gargantuan that you have the right leaders in there. Who has your heart? When um, the um, Chick-fil-A, um, Kathy, um, he was the founder of yeah, Chick-fil-A. I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember going on an interview there because a good friend of mine worked, and I remember, oh man, the experience. So when I, from the moment I got to the grounds at Chick-fil-A, right here, right in Atlanta, I didn't know what I was about to in, in court, in step into. So I, I, first of all, I come into the grounds. The, the grounds are immaculately manicured. You know, it's, it's just, it's a beauty, beautiful sight to drive into it. I get into the uh, foyer. The secretaries there, they seem happy. I go through, you know, they take me on a tour um, from to the kitchen. They have a, a daycare in there for the uh, employees. I go all the way up. Kathy has his doors open at the time he's passed now, but... He has his doors wide open. That was kind of his thing. Like, you know, I'm, and you literally could just go up to his office and if he wasn't there, talk to a secretary and she'd give him a message and he'd get back to your, or call you back up. Um, even into the bathrooms with the, with the janitors that I met. When I left that experience, I had never been to an organization where it seemed everyone I met wanted to be there. And of course, I, I didn't meet everyone. So I'm sure there's some people there that don't, you know, didn't want to be there. But my point was, for me, as a as it has having never been in that environment or that that establishment, that organization, I left thinking, "Wow, this is not." They're not pulling the wool over my eyes. I, the everyone that I met, I met at least 40, 50 people. Everyone seemed they wanted to be there, and that has a lot to do with everything, in my opinion, to do with the leadership. Mm. And that open literally the open door policy <laughs> literally that was his thing right so he was like doing it uh, figuratively and and literally right like it's it's a sign too right that says hey you know i'm not i'm not not that i'm not one of you all like if it's there's no you there's no me so you know even even though i'm the you know owner or founder of this multi-billion dollar establishment i don't know what their numbers are now but hey you can still come to my talk to me what's going on let me know right and you could see that type of attitude exemplified in, in all his leadership you could just see it right and i thought wow that's that's why yeah yeah it's like what did they say my pleasure yes my um, pleasure at yes. the end of absolutely yeah and they're trained that way my pleasure yeah you know yeah when i was in atlanta last year i went to a conference that actually had one of the employees from chick-fil-a mm. within their customer service team like, so he was the person or he was part of the team 
that trained all the oh, um, wow. like he would go around the fields to all the stores mm, the and would train either either the store owners or the actual employees themselves uh, um, of like hey here's how you do it here's what you say here's uh, how you conduct yourself mm. and he was talking about all these different things and he would show videos of of kathy oh, okay. um, yeah. and uh you know talk about his experiences with him as well as with all the stores um and like you said it's it's the immaculate customer experience whether yes. it's an interaction or the the bathrooms the absolutely. the floor what, whatever you see absolutely it's, it's a five-star experience. experience yes which will make so much sense because i'm in the corporate headquarters right where all of the all the leadership sits right and is is, is everyone who's in leadership for chick-fil-a works at this corporate headquarters so if it's like that there that's why we're getting that experience at the local chick-fil-a down the street that's why we're getting that experience because i it's, it didn't miss a beat in terms of what I felt going in there for an interview. <laughs> right. Right. You know, so again, it's, it's leadership. Has, and that's, and that's not only from a corporation, but in your home, I think, in your friendships and like as a, as a father, all of that, like leadership is so, so important. Mm. It really is. What's, what would you say like is an underrated aspect of leadership? Mm, that's a good question. Um, an underrated aspect of leadership, I would say one of the underrated aspects, I think, would be the power that leaders have to influence change. And I don't know if, I know, see, and I've heard that said, but it hasn't been consistent in my experience. So I don't know if leaders really understand the power that you have to influence change, right? Just by tone of voice, by, you know, how something is said, you know, how you interact with whoever is reporting to you, you know, your competence, you know, sharing your competence, training, you know, those underneath you, you know, like, I think all of that, I think sometimes goes under, it's, it's not as recognized to, to from a leadership perspective that, hey, rather you are, manager or or dishwasher like that doesn't mean you can't be a leader you know what i'm saying a leader influences change period because i know many who have titles and don't do that you know what i'm saying they have the title and the money and the, the resources and all that but you're, you're not influencing any change and if somebody's doing something because of your title you're not influencing change right because I know that this is my livelihood and you can pull my, you have, you're signing my check, so I'm gonna do it because of that, that's not leadership to me. And so to answer your question, I think if I think it's under um, valued and I don't think it's recognized enough, the reason why leadership is so powerful because leadership has the power to influence change and to drive whatever your motive or goal is for that organization or business or family, you as a leader have the power to do that. I don't know if that's, you know, widely really understood. It's said in theory, but I don't know if we really believe that and understand that power. Would you say that the power to influence or um, influence change, hmm. some combination thereof is, is the definition, your definition of leadership? Or how would you define leadership? Yeah, I think I would. I think I would define it... Um, the power to influence 
right? And so, and whatever it is that you're, whatever your, whatever your, um, not only your goal, but your um, your intention, whatever that is, as a leader, you have the power to influence that and actually bring that into fruition, whatever that goal or intention might be. So I think yeah, it's, I, I would define it as just having the power to influence. Mm. And influence is huge. Look, at, I mean, look at social media now. You got all these quote unquote influencers, right? You know what's funny though, really? So my, my son, he's, you know, just embark embarking into adulthood. And I forgot like his generation, they don't really watch TV, right? So, so a lot of what they're, a lot of their advertising and, you know, what's how things are being shaped in terms of fashion and, you know, thought and, you know, just ways of being is coming through quote unquote influencers, right? Yeah. And so, Again, that's to me, that's leadership. Like, that's the power to influence. Mm. Yeah. In that case, we, we can all be micro leaders, right? There's micro influencers, absolutely there's influencers. We can all, we can all be <laughs> absolutely. on our level. Absolutely. We don't have to be this leader, Ab this quote unquote leader within this large company or whatever. Absolutely. To exhibit leadership. Absolutely. I think that's, I mean, it's, I think Martin Luther King said, everyone can't be famous, but everyone can be great because. Greatness is defined by leadership and service. So, like everyone can be a, can serve. Everyone, you know, you know, if they understand leadership, can exemplify it. So it doesn't matter if it's like you said, if it's a CEO of a company or a great business of your own, down to like, you know, the bar mitzvah at uh, Starbucks. You know, what I'm saying it's it's, and I think we have done a bad job we being society i think of creating this false narrative like leadership looks only like this you know what i mean like it's like, like we've created this idea that it's like the corner office or the entrepreneur or mm -hmm. you know the one telling everyone what to do and like you know i think we've kind of like taken on that quote-unquote definition by what we see but that's not i know some people man that even like, I think from like friends who don't necessarily have these titles that garner like, you know, respect off, you know, because you're my manager or leader or owner, but they are actually, the people are following them. Like, I know people, I honestly know business owners now who will, will sit down and look at who we might have to let go because of quarterly earnings, et cetera. And we'll take a look at, well, if we let go of this person, their influence is so great. You know, we might have to consider someone else because they are a leader. They don't have the necessarily this quote unquote title, but they have a strong influence over the organization. Right. So they're leading They're That's a leader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is. Yeah. 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 That's something that I've, yeah, and, and I feel like now when there's more people, I think that I've noticed, like quiet quitting who are uh, leaving their jobs, right? Yeah. They have influence over their circle, so then they influence Absolutely. other people. It's like, hey, like you can actually do more than um, just being a corporate job and more power to people who want to be in a corporate job and um, make that impact. Yeah. Um, and maybe also do something on the side, right? Or yeah. whatever their wishes are, right? Um, it's a great example. But 
like for people who want to mm -hmm. leave, mm -hmm. um, you have more options out there and they have the influence yes. and the power to. And I think the confidence that comes from, oh, I can make change on this mm -hmm. individual, if I'm a manager, for example, like, mm -hmm. like oh, I built up the confidence that, mm -hmm. oh, I can, I have success, or at least um, my level of success, yeah. my definition of success, doing something, mm -hmm. let me jump on board into that. Yes. Um, and so when other people see that, I think it, it inspires them. And like, that's, I think that's the influence that I've seen in my life. And I'm sure it's the same for you Absolutely. and a bunch of other people who are following similar paths. They're calling it the great resignation, right? That's what they're calling this, right? And so to your point, that's a really good example. I mean, it's a great example in terms of leadership because yeah, people have, you know, it's like giving them the idea like, hey, I, I can do this, right? And so, <laughs> so it's kind of like, it's been an, a huge influence has trickled down and it's, now they're calling it the great resignation. So that means there's a significant amount of people reconsidering kind of where they are, what they want to do, utilizing their talents, tapping into their creativity, right? Like there's a significant amount of people enough for society to call it the great resignation. So that's a great example of the power of influence and leadership. Mm. Yeah. Are there any other, um, words or concepts that you're redefining for yourself mm. so for example like experience mm. um or sorry next uh, leadership yeah right um it's like okay this is what i believe leadership is and mm -hmm. um mm. or you know something that you've had to like here's what society believes and here's what i believe and that's mm -hmm. there's a dissonance yeah. there but it's what i truly believe yeah someone calls it um rules mm. um he, he calls them bullshit rules okay <laughs> okay um, so he just combines like them it. and like these are the rules that yeah you know these aren't the natural laws of physics or you know gravity mm -hmm. or stuff like that but these are mm -hmm. rules rules that we just created and we just kind of follow them mm -hmm. but we don't actually ever take time to think about them mm -hmm. so are there any rules <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that you've identified for yourself and have broken and mm live your lived up to your highest self because of yeah i think a big one and i think this is this is it's it's not new but it has been redefined newly for me and that is when i redefine my definition of success and i've heard this you know shared a lot but it really hit home for me the last year and a half because prior to me stepping out um and, and full-time entrepreneurship and um, some of the other ventures I'm involved in, my definition of success really was, although I probably wouldn't have vocalized this verbally because I probably had some shame around it, but it wasn't about money for me. That like, to me, I really, and I wouldn't say that because I knew you weren't, it wasn't that cool to say that, you know, that, you know, because right. all of this new age thinking and higher consciousness, but I, I really did define success by like money. Like, how much money do you have? What are your resources? What are your investments like? That's how I defined success. It wasn't until like COVID and I started really um, having and, and raising my level of consciousness, particularly through Abraham Hicks. I'm not really familiar with her or not, but yeah. um, um, Louise Hay, um, Wayne Dyer, um, some of these great, great teachers that I really started to redefine what success really meant for me, because I, I had heard that, you know, many times like, well, what success, what is success for you? And how do you define success? And I would give this ex example or, ex or 
for um, definition, but it really wasn't what I really believed. Although I knew it was what people wanted to hear. Um, but now, for me, I really define success as true prosperity. And it's not limited to money at all. It's money is an aspect of it. So it's, it's good health. It's good quality relationships. It's a sense of love for myself and others. It's an overflowing of joy, right? It's allowing grace to lead and guide me in my life and also having resources and money, right? But before it was limited to one thing. And I think where I'm at now, where I think society kind of defined it that way to a degree, I've completely redefined that for me because I understand what it's like to have, you know, that six figure plus salary and have the corner office and, you know, have investments and, 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 you know, and bring in whatever, whatever society is saying that I've been there, done that. When society said, go get the house, the white picket fence, the dog, the corner office, and at least make six figures. I did it. Right. And then I exceeded that. So I thought, whoa, this is great, you know, but, um, there still was a search for significance that I had a hole. I like to call it the God-shaped hole. I think we all have within ourselves that those things couldn't fill. And I say that knowing and have lived it now. Before, I tell my son too, it's one thing to say things, but you need some wins behind your belt to really understand why I can say what I'm saying now emphatically and understand because I've had some wins, quote unquote, in terms of I can say that about, you know, the corner office of a woman because I've done it. Right. So I, I think that's part of the journey. I needed that. But now having done that, I truly understand what success means for me, because if I don't have good health. Right. If I'm not in a place and that's true prosperity for me, if I'm not in good health, then who cares? That I can have this yacht on the Red Sea. Be nice, right? But it'd be, not, it'd be probably a good place to die, you know. <laughs> but well, who cares? Right. You know what I mean? If I can have this this yacht on the Red Sea, but then I have no one to share it with. I mean, love of friends and family, and you know, like I don't have that. I don't have this sense of joy and love for myself. It doesn't. It, who cares about the money? Only. That's not success for me anymore. Yeah. Whereas one time I did define it. Mm, that's big. That's big. Yeah. I want to dig more into that. Yeah. Um, well, something I like to do is in the middle of a conversation, uh, a lot of podcasts have rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, I'm going to do the opposite of that, okay. which is no talking. Mm. And we're just time to integrate. It's mm. time to just take a pause, take a breath. I love that. And after the 30 seconds, one minute, whatever feels right. Yeah. Um, I'll invite you to ask me a question. Okay. And we'll go from there. I love that. Okay. What comes to mind? 
your daily habits that create a successful, what you will consider a successful day or a day where you're present or whatever you would say is a day that by the end of the day you can say, yeah, yeah, that was a good day. What are things that you do on a daily basis to create that for yourself? Yeah, good question. So for me, journaling, writing is definitely one of them. Okay. Whether it's emotional, creative, or convergent mm. writing, mm. Um, I think I, I kind of lump all that under writing. Writing. Mm. So writing of some sort. Mm-hmm. So when I mean, you know, so emotional, more of like a diary type yeah. of like yeah. feelings, emotions, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Creative as, okay, I have uh, this one thought, there's one point of inspiration that I have. Mm-hmm. And how can I diverge? How can I create as many branches as I can mm. from this one single point mm. to then either connect those dots mm-hmm. or continue asking more questions. So it continues proliferating. Mm. Like it's almost like a tree. Yeah. And then uh, convergent, which is, okay, now I have all these thoughts that are out there. Now the process of you know, either convergent or integration, mm. which is, okay, now how do I process the experience that I just had? Mm. How do I then bring in these potential sources of inspiration and these ideas? How do I then translate that into action? Mm. How do I then... If I read a book, if I don't implement anything from it, or if my mindset doesn't change or anything, whether now or in the future, then I've essentially just wasted my time. Mm. That, that's the way that I view it. Yeah. It's like, there's gotta be something that I take away from it that, okay, I don't have to necessarily do, at least from my perspective is I don't need to do it you know, immediately. Yeah. But if it's on my task backlog, or if it's like, hey, here's a pr- future project that I wanna think about mm-hmm. pursuing, Mm-hmm. Something that is creative mm. in its most purest sense yeah. um, that comes out of something. So those three types of writing is definitely an important part of my day. Mm-hmm. A Some sort of physical um, fitness mm-hmm. aspect. Um, I've leaned more into, my, into improving my mobility. Mm. I think I've taken that for granted. And as I get older, mm-hmm. not that I'm like old, yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> but you know, yeah, as, yeah. As, as the years progress, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to be more grateful. Mm, for sure. um, I'm going to be, become increasingly grateful for the time I spend now mm. doing things like stretching or doing yoga mm. or things that stretch out my body and mm. increase my mobility. Yeah. Um, and I think that has a lot of obviously physical benefits, but Absolutely. also mental and emotional benefits as well yeah where if i'm stretching my body then i think it's a metaphor for our mind we can stretch mm-hmm. our minds a little bit easier as well mm-hmm. so mobility um strength that's something that i've kind of i've done a lot of cardio okay um but i i want to do more more strength based yeah. type of stuff and just mm-hmm. and and i i have felt that when i not that i you know can bench 300 pounds or anything right yeah. but it's when I am in the process of increasing my strength, mm-hmm. I feel more confident in myself throughout mm-hmm. the day. Mm-hmm. I agree. And mm-hmm. it's, it's an amazing feeling. Yeah. And it's not necessarily one that I've had 
through that process mm -hmm. before. Mm. And so when I'm spending just 10 minutes a day, so mm. for example, I've started doing a habit challenge for myself okay. every month. So started this in May, June. So like, like in, in July, for example, one of mm. my habits that I wanted to ha create was um, having a, a strength routine. Mm. And it was just like, it was, uh, for it was doing 50 push-ups a day. Yeah. Right. This yeah. doesn't sound like much. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was something to create the habit of absolutely uh, something for my upper body strength. Yes. Yeah. And you know, I timed myself mm. like, hey, here's when I started the month. Mm. Here's how long it took me to do 50 push-ups, and at the end of the month, here's how long it took. Mm. And you know, it was reduced by almost like 40 percent. Mm. Um, so like just within that one, one month, month time frame, just yeah. doing things consistently. Yeah. That was proof yeah. that. Um, consistency matters almost more than anything else. Mm. Um, and so, so to answer your question, but you know, physical fitness, mm -hmm. writing, um, and then some sort of spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. So whether it's a little bit of meditation, mm -hmm. um, I consider Tai Chi a spiritual practice. Yeah. So I, I practice that okay. on a multi-week or multiple times a week basis. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think um, connecting with people, mm. I don't think that's necessarily seen as a habit, mm. but for me, I would, you grow, I'm innately, I would consider myself an introvert yeah. um, where I get energy when I'm by myself. Okay. And I d still definitely do that and mm. resonate with that. And I also get energy when I'm talking to people about things that I want to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully they want to talk about them right. too. <laughs> so... Yeah. But I, I had never really viewed connecting with people as a habit mm. where mm. now I would always, I think in the past, either segment that out separately from my daily practices mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, I'm going to time, I'm going to spend some time to set aside time to network mm -hmm. or set aside time to do this. Whereas I've seen it more just integrated into my daily life now mm. where mm. I don't need to set aside time to do it. I'm just doing it practically yeah. and doing it within the flow of the day mm -hmm. where it feels natural. If I'm walking for 15 minutes, 10 of those minutes, I may be hitting up people on text okay. um, because I find that if I don't do that, then I'll want to schedule time out for it. But then I feel like, okay, I want to be more productive than just texting people. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, now I can knock out two for one. I can clear right. my mind a little bit, Yeah. have some little bit of physical exercise or at least physical yeah. movement and then also hit up people. Yeah. And then, you know, then my calendar's filled up and then yeah. I don't have to think about, oh, I need to hit up this person. Right. I want to talk to this person this upcoming right. week. Yeah. So that was oh. a long-winded answer for, but those are some of the, the practices that I, I practice and try to embody on yeah. a daily, weekly basis. Yeah. Have you always, or maybe not always, but have you found that this journey that you're on now, like this, um, more enlightened, conscious, um, centered things, you know, that you prioritize in your life now. Did you, do you feel you've always had a bend toward that or was it something that kind of happened in your life that kind of redirected your trajectory or your journey a little bit? Yeah. So I think the foundation was always there. Okay. Um, I grew up in a multi-faith organization. Okay. Um, grew up Hindu and then grew up also in that multi-faith inter interfaith organization mm. where it set a strong foundation for got it 
believing in all religions, believing mm -hmm. in all faiths, mm -hmm. and accepting all of them and mm -hmm. celebrating all of them. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of set the foundation for that. And like the main two pillars of that are love and service. Oh. And so like love all, serve all. Mm. And so that set the foundation for believing in higher powers, mm -hmm. believing in ourselves as God, as higher powers ourselves. Yeah. Um, and then I took a few courses, um, you know, day long workshops, weekend long workshops, mm -hmm. um, some of whom talked about people like, you know, uh, hey or Hicks okay. um, mm -hmm. uh, and other, you know, psychologists, other people who believe in manifestation, stuff like that, yeah, yeah. where it just became more and more part of my life. And mm -hmm. so, but that didn't happen until after, you know, 2019. Okay. Um, so 2019 onwards and then COVID really pressed mm -hmm. a um, supercharge to it mm -hmm. where I felt mm -hmm. lean more into my journaling and into yeah. my writing mm -hmm. um, abilities and, uh, and proclivities. And so, that's when I really started doing those practices. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because I was definitely not um, thinking about this stuff like okay, in college. Right. <laughs> okay. I, was, I was in a fraternity. I was like partying okay, every weekend. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think my parents want to know how much <laughs> I was drinking. <laughs> um, yeah. Right? But it's, yeah. You know, yeah. So like it's someone who met me in college versus someone who met me, no. like if they re-met me again now. Yeah. Be a vastly different person, and really? I'm sure. Yeah. You know, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. People who I was partying with then. Yeah. May have, or may almost, you know, probably will have made some sort of transformation in their lives. Yeah. yeah. Too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think it's helped you in business? Hundred percent. Okay. Right. It's like also. Um, Just really leaning into, again, the intuition, mm. really leaning into feelings mm -hmm. and experiences as the guiding force for doing something mm. rather than just the numbers, rather mm. than just here's my step-by-step -step plan to do something. Mm -hmm. Like even in the context of a startup where I was at for the last you know, three, four years, I would the way that I would come sometimes come up with ideas and like the plans for uh, the next quarterly, mm -hmm. you know, or, or quarterly strategies, right? Mm -hmm. Would I would just be, I would, I would just do some meditation mm -hmm. at work, mm -hmm. kind of in my own cubicle area, mm -hmm. and just come up with those ideas, start typing. So I'd have the keyboard in front of me, mm -hmm. like I was doing work, yeah. which I was, right. <laughs> uh, um, but my eyes were closed, and I was kind of got into a deeper state mm. and I, I just kind of typed out whatever flowed out mm. and that that was part of my ideation process one-on-one mm. um, mm. -on -one meetings mm -hmm. I definitely leaned more into being more of the empathetic okay. um, side of me which mm -hmm. I not naturally didn't have mm. or didn't practice growing up mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. um, so really allowing space for people to express themselves emotionally. It's not just like, oh, it's not just a progress report when you have one-on-one -on -one meetings, especially if, with your manager or with mm -hmm. when you're the manager for someone. Mm -hmm. It's not just like, hey, what'd you do? What's your plan next, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like, no one wants to be treated like that. Mm -hmm. um, I think it goes deeper. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, like, how is life going? Yeah. And yeah. I had that relationship with my um, manager for you know, two, two and a half years when we had that yeah. formal relationship. 
Um, and and I, I, I liked that mm -hmm. and I wanted to carry that on Absolutely. for anyone that I was managing as well. Mm. Um, for hopefully, you know, people feel safe enough to open up about things that are going on in their personal lives. Not that they have to, but yeah. if they want to, the space is created. Yeah. Um, so I think those two things come to mind. Is there anything in, um, I guess, have you seen that relationship on a one-on-one -on -one level with people? Based in, on my practices or just right, my, yeah. Like, um, absolutely, yeah. I think, as you said, 100%, I, for sure. One thing that I've learned, I, I, I say this every time I'm either interviewed or I'm, anyone asks me for like a piece of advice or something like that, I say this to, to everyone, so I'm going to say it here as well. But um, one thing I learned, I never forget, I was, I was fresh out of college and I was, it was like my first, you know, quote unquote, real job. And there was this older gentleman there um, by the name of Joaquin, and he's, he's passed away. So that's why I said I would like to honor him for this. But um, he was one of the smartest people I had met to date at that time. And, you know, he, he just kind of like felt like he was kind of like going to take me under his wing and how to help groom me, et cetera. And so we were... Um, one day I was, I was sharing with him. I was a young father at the time. I had just gotten married, all those life changes. I've got a real job now. Like, you know, adulting sucks. I thought, you know, like, why was I rushing for this? <laughs> <laughs> I had that moment. I was going through that transition. And I was just telling him, you know, and so while I'm talking, like, you and I are here, he's just listening, observing, right? But he's, I felt kind of like, are you listening? Do you hear me? Because he wasn't really giving me any like affirmation or like, you know, yes. Or so finally I said, well, hey, you know, um, I said, do you hear what I'm saying, though? Do you like, you know, do you understand? He said, I know exactly what you're saying. I said, you sure? He said, yeah. He said, I'm listening for what you're not saying. And he said, I, I hear you loud and clear, but it's not by what you're saying. And he taught me the art of listening for what people are not saying. There's an art and a science to it. And so that skill set I've actually, you know, not only, but I, I, it's heightened when your center is grounded and all those practices you say, like the meditation and the uh, physical exercise and eating right and all that kind of thing. It's it's a it's like a, the channel's very clear, and so in business, I would always be able to apply that. So I'm listening for what you're saying verbally, but I'm also getting a lot of nonverbal cues that are giving me a lot of insight. That what I've learned is that people, most people, I would venture to say, are not going to verbally tell you everything you need to know. I'll say that again. <laughs> Most people are not going to tell you verbally everything you need to know, either about them or the experience or the situation. And so in business, that has helped me tremendously. It's helped me save money. It's helped me get out of bad partnerships. Um, it's helped me make decisions that, you know, I, at the time I was being led by intuition, what I could hear and see by conversation. But then times later, I'd say, hmm. That was for a reason, okay, and it started to build that muscle, so I would trust it more. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, I think that concept, coupled with like 
the grounding and the spiritual practice and the meditation and you know the physical fitness and that kind of thing um and from a business perspective i certainly rely on that now you know and i'm not going with the idea that i'm trying to impose or pull something out of someone that's not there i don't go with that like i'm not trying to be a seer or i'm not trying to be like this you know this profit from you know you know from the heavens or anything like i'm just showing up as myself tuned into who i know i am and who i whose i am and i've learned from a business perspective that has really helped me to not only make some really great decisions and some bad ones, but learn from them, but also be able to force some relationships um, as a result of that, that have helped me to do and start other things. Like my, one of the uh, businesses that I have now, it's as a result of a connection, like you said, of, of meeting someone and joining partnership and helping, they already found it, but I became kind of co-founder in terms of kind of what I brought to it, but they already had the foundation of it set but again that was as a result of making connections listening to what people were not saying to be able to connect with certain people and make certain decisions that brought these situations kind of to me if you will um but yeah it's it's something that now i absolutely would not want to do business without mm. and i wish this was some of this was taught like i don't know how you would i mean they need like a class that like this, you know, the art of listening for people are not saying one on one or something like, but I, it's been so invaluable in my personal relationships, romantic relationships and business relationships that I absolutely would not want to do it without it. Mm. That's big. It's huge. I feel like it, you can, you can, um, you can uh, put that under the umbrella of effective communication absolutely. or leadership communication. Yeah. Right. Um, I was, I recently did, so I know a person who is in the process of writing a book mm -hmm. and he reached out on LinkedIn. Uh, he's, he was also actually on the podcast uh, last year. Okay. Um, but he's a, he's like a manifestation coach mm. um, and a business coach and life coach for, for a lot of people. And so yeah. he was doing this experiment where he's run it for, with his clients, but then he reached out via LinkedIn for the general public, hey, I'm running this experiment on how to shut up. Mm. <laughs> really? <laughs> you know, uh, I love it. In so yeah. many words. So yeah. Yeah. He, you know, the challenge <laughs> was, can you put yourself in positions or, or not even put yourself, like when you're in positions where you feel like you want to talk, mm. can you not talk? Mm. And how does that feel? Mm. And especially with family mm. and people you're around more often mm. and spend more time around, how does that change you? How does that change them? Mm. And so the experiment was to do it for 10 to 14 days or so. I love and that. I found myself. And so like we had a debrief call last week. Okay. Um, it's recent. Yeah. So this oh, okay. is, yeah. Oh, so uh, nice. when okay. I went back home to Kansas city, uh, okay. like a month ago, mm. that was the time that I, uh, decided to do it. So it was right after I left my job. Okay. And I went okay. back home to Kansas City. Yeah. And, you know, did this challenge mm. and um, learned a lot through silence. Mm. Um, so what's the, I'm sorry. So what's the like rules or like how, you know what I'm saying? Is it like a, what's the rules to the game or the, yeah, it, or it the was, challenge, if you will? Yeah. It was just kind of, um, it's like go through it, go through your normal day uh -huh. and, Whenever you feel like talking, mm -hmm. um, 
don't. Right. Yeah. And, and <laughs> okay. just like, and just listen to like, listen to your body. How does that feel mm. within you? And then pay attention to the other people. Mm. Um, like how does that, um, affect who they are? Mm. Um, like at the beginning when you start doing this and then at the end, mm. right. Is there any change of how I felt like, so for example, mm. um, uh, you know, I had an experience where, you know, I got, I got a little, you know, heated, uh, a little angry at my mom yeah. um, while I was driving. And it, it was like, you know, it was a, there was some tension there. Yeah. And then afterwards, I remained silent, mm. um, which, you know, it, I was only doing for the sake of the experiment. Okay. Otherwise, I would have, you know, right. yeah. said I'm sorry or said, you know, whatever else. Yeah. Um, but I was like, hey, like, what happens if I remain silent now? Mm. <laughs> okay. um, it did not go well. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it was just more like, I think what I learned from that is yeah. the, um, um, after like some sort of, t some sort of, uh, tension or experience of tension or some mm -hmm. sort of negative thing from one side or the other it's almost better to actually talk it out and mm. communicate verbally okay. rather okay. than, than giving someone the silent treatment. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, especially if they value communicate verbal communication, mm. then, then talk about it. Mm. Right. Um, but like, anyway, so uh, at the end of that call, um, we were talking, um, you know, during the debrief and, you know, we, we bounced around a bunch of ideas and, and we were like, yeah, I think one of the big takeaways on my end, was how silence is an important part of effective communication. Mm. Mm -hmm. And, and that's something that I had kind mm. of known mm. to your point earlier about things that we kind of know are true, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. uh, we don't really, haven't really experienced it. Mm -hmm. But this experiment and having those experiences really allowed me to embody like, Oh, what does it actually feel like? What is my experience in relation to how silence is part of effective communication mm. or so I, I got a counter example to that mm. but i think those resonate yeah. just as equally if not more i love that um and so yeah i think i've been inspired to challenge myself this is what i get <laughs> <laughs> that's all i was asking for the rules i was like oh yeah i'm gonna do this one I'm gonna do <laughs> i i will yeah. i have i have the doc i, okay. I can send you yeah, over send the linkedin yeah, and yeah. the document or yeah, whatnot please. to see the full okay how, how yeah. he structured it please do yeah, yeah. i love that i love that <laughs> Because yeah, there is a lot of, um, I've noticed too, that there's a, there's a lot that's said in the silence. Even if you think about, just like you said, meditation or journaling or, you know, there's a lot that's maybe not said, but there's a lot that's um, experienced and um, felt in the silence. So I'm curious, you know, that, that piqued my interest. So like, I think that's a good challenge. To do. Mm. Yeah. Are there any, I guess similar going off there, are there any counter examples to things that you've experienced that then have led you to really embody and imbibe a lesson? A, a valuable lesson? Um, yeah, there's so many, I gotta think of a good one. Um, I guess I guess like to, um, like so for me, a, it's, it's almost like having a, like, I feel like we, we learn, there's the opportunity to learn from so many lessons around us in our daily life. Absolutely. That sometimes we don't take the time to process and integrate those things mm -hmm. where those lessons are there to be found, but we don't actually f discover them mm -hmm. because we don't take the time. The time. Yeah. Right. So I'm curious to hear if 
when you've taken the time to um, see those things, things that are not said, things um, that are not done perhaps, that, oh, I, this is a lesson that I learned because I did something opposite to that. Mm. I think one practical <laughs> experience or example I have, or both, was with my son. When he was, he, he played, he started out playing baseball, then he went to basketball, and I mean, was really, really good. So he was, he started out in, in freshman year and on varsity, um, and then his course of direction kind of changed. But up until then, his mom and I were just, all our weekends were consumed with basketball and AAU and one thing or another with regard around center around basketball. And so as passionate parents and, and dad, you know, we'd always, you know, of course we're rooting for him and, and the team and the, and the coaches. And so we always had a lot of feedback. We'll just say that. Right. And, um, and so this particular game, um, he didn't do quote unquote so well. And so we, you know, we get in the car and I'm kind of going through my whole, you know, rant, if you will, about, you know, driving and being in the pain and his, his defense wasn't as where it needs to be. He has to work on his left hand, all this stuff. Um, and he, he sat there and he, he listened. He was quiet, although I'm sure he wanted to say some things. And he said to me and his mom, he said, but you all are not out there. Right. And as sim simple as that statement was, what I learned from that moment was it's so easy to critique from the stance of life. Right. There's always so many critics. But who's out there on the field or actually playing the game? You know, I look at football fans who are fanatics. And they will go ham or crazy about, you know, their, their favorite team or whatever, about all the things that they could do wrong or they've done wrong or could do differently. But could one of you all get hit like that and, and survive, <laughs> right? Could one of you out ask, do you, know what it, do you know what it feels like to be tackled and to tackle? Do you, do you, you have no clue. But we have all of this critique. And so when, when my son said that, I found myself like, wow, it just hit me kind of, it's a really good point. And how can I apply this in my everyday life as well, right? Not only being the critic, but being criticized. And so that kind of helped me with my journey with social media because I learned that there's a lot of critics when it comes to social media as well and posting and creating content and trying to monetize your business and things like that. There's a lot of critique and just that simple, um, you know, moment with my son helped me even in business and creating content and thinking there's going to be a lot of critics, right? Brene Brown says, it's not the critic. Well, she quotes um, Theodore Roosevelt, which says, it's not the critic who counts, but it's actually the person who's out there on the field getting their ass beat through blood, sweat, and tears, right? That they're daring greatly. They're out there doing it. It's easy to stand on the sidelines and say, well, why didn't you drive, son? Why didn't you do, you know, so-and-so? You need to work on this, you know? Um, so practically, I try to apply that now to my own life and to others and remind, keeping in, memory, in my memory bank that 
being vulnerable and exposing yourself, starting a business, showing up every day just in life is going to entail some critique. Mm. But also know that I'm, I'm less concerned about your critique unless you're out here on the field with me. You know, if you're if you're out here with, you know, getting bruised and battered and out here, you know, doing it as well, I'm, I'm more so welcome your critique. If you're not, thanks, but no thanks. Because you don't understand what it's like to be out here. So the perspective that you're going to have and the feedback that you're going to have is going to be totally different than someone who's not in the game of life. Showing up every day, being vulnerable, doing the things like this that we're doing today, et cetera. If you're not showing up for life in that way, then your critique is not that valuable to me. So I learned that from him. Mm, that's big. It was huge for me. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Thank you. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. As we wrap up here, I think it's starting to rain as well. Yeah. Um, anything that you would like yeah, to share yeah. or um, plug? I know you have, you know, like the podcast, like you said. Yeah. Anything yeah. else that um, that you want anyone who's listening and watching? To- sure, sure. So I have um, a podcast with Charlene Ridley called Winning the Day. Um, it's on YouTube. It will be posted on YouTube. Um, and we also do um, Clubhouse as well on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Starting to revamp that. We took a break. But um, through some personal issues, but um, we'll be revamping that. It's called Winning the Day. Um, I have a merchandise line called uh, the New Meaning Brand. So you can go to either on IG, the New Meaning Brand, or if you want to go on to our website, it's www.thenewmeaningbrand.com. Um, but we do a lot of um, like apparel that helps to redefine what you think you know. So we just kind of use words and, and phrases and re- give them new meaning. Um, and then I also have a payroll business that's called My Right Hand Business Solutions. So not only payroll, but we do project management consulting. Um, and so I really like to come as an extension to your business, your right hand, um, with various different services that we provide. But uh, that's also at My Right Hand Business Solutions. So that's about it. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll include those all in the show notes as well. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah, appreciate the time, Alfonso. This no, has been, been amazing. It's been great. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, I'm definitely got to come back yeah, uh, to this spot. To. And if I live in Atlanta again, yeah, might have don't... to get a membership. <laughs> <laughs> I think they have one in two other states as well. So means... Oh, do they? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was my next question. I was going to ask them. So. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> Answer that for me. <laughs> well, appreciate the time. This has pleasure. been awesome. To my pleasure. And uh, hope everyone who is listening and watching also had a great time on the Casually Profound Streets on the Size Eyes podcast. Absolutely. See you next time.